Hi everyone, Lauren here with a new podcast episode. So today we're going to be doing another first chapter review for another author. And this one's actually, um, you've seen her before on my podcast. I've interviewed her and I've done a first chapter review for one of her other books. But her name is Kim Applegren and she just came out with her debut novel, The Silent Witness. So if you're looking for a high fantasy novel with a little bit of romance thrown in there, you might want to check out The Silent Witness through, um, through Amazon. I believe it's in Barnes and Nobles and a bunch of other places as well. So give that a check um, whenever you can. But this book is actually a project that she's working on on Inkit. And it's free currently to read. The book is um, a little bit of time traveling, some science fiction in there thrown in with history. It sounds really amazing. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. So the title of this book, it's called The Time Travels of Tristan and Troy. It's actually the first book in the trilogy. The subtitle is book one, Arrows Leading to Camelot. Um, I'm really big about medieval stuff, so I'm kind of really excited for this. This is obviously a first chapter review. This is first impressions. I have not read this story yet, so we're going to read along with it together. The author's name is Kim Applegren, and I mentioned before the intro that she just came out with her debut novel, The Silent Witness. So let's see how this one holds up. So the first thing that I'm seeing here is that the book genres that she's listed as is fictional history, adventure, and fantasy. Pretty cool. I like history. I like fantasy. I like adventure. Awesome. Um, let's dive into the book synopsis here. Are they going to be in time to prevent a disaster? In chivalrous medieval England, King Uther Pendragon was, uh, has died and the legendary sword in the stone has been safely kept under, until the rightful heir comes of age and claims his inheritance. However, it is not the person you thought, but rather a powerful sorceress who had found a way through black magic to claim the sword for herself. She is none other than Morgana Le Fay, the most notorious villain in English history. It is only through the magic of both Merlin and the Lady of the Lake keeping Morgana from reaching the sword. Although they have delayed her efforts, the inevitable will happen if help doesn't arrive soon. Tristan and Troy have to make sure the sword is drawn by the rightful heir to the throne of England, or our modern world will collapse into chaos. The subject of history takes on a far deeper meaning at Farthing High School. Interesting name for a high school, Farthing High School. All right. A new history teacher, Miss Eden, enters the fray, and the lives of two students will never be the same again. This tutor is not your average teacher. There is more to her than meets the eye. History is running in a parallel universe, and an unexpected turn of events forces Miss Eden to send the two teenagers back in time to save history from tipping the balances. Now, Miss Eden, I don't know why, but I really got uh, Miss Frizzle vibes. I don't know if you guys remember Miss Frizzle from um, from the Magic School Bus days, but that's exactly what, what just crossed my mind when I read about a teacher sending these teenagers back in time to save England. <laughs> cool stuff. Could be a really cool kid show at some point. All right. 
So the targeted audience is 13 and up. Obviously this is not gonna have any kind of like overtly gory scenes or implicitly, you know, sexual or anything crazy. So this is, uh, I guess a middle grade, a middle school grade um, kind of reading. Pretty cool, awesome. So let's go ahead and dive right into the story, shall we? Uh, currently it only has uh, three reviews. It is a four star. I don't know what reviews what the reviews say right now. We'll read them later. Um, and it is ongoing, but it does have nine chapters at the moment. So let's start off with the prologue here. Tristan O'Doyle only signed up for history classes because of Troy, Troy Becker. I was going to say Decker. Troy Becker. A typical girl with a typical crush on one of the most gorgeous guys in Farthing High. Although Tristan may at first have seen it as a monumental sacrifice to join up with one of the most boring subjects, she would soon find that history is not all as it seems, especially when an enigmatic, eccentric, and seemingly timeless lady, Miss Eden, becomes a subject's new teacher. That is Miss Frizzle to a T. Miss Eden captivates her pupils with stories that keep them on the edge of their seats. Her gift of telling stories of the past seem as if she were there herself. After a time, Tristan's focus turns from gazing at Troy to listening attentively to Miss Eden. The teacher is an excellent judge of character and sees in Troy a young man who is studious and possesses great knowledge of historical events, while in Tristan... She finds her character to be one of a practical-minded, no-nonsense, and comical person who would be a beneficial balance to Troy. Deciding that these two teenagers are the ones she's looking for, Tristan and Troy learn from Miss Eden that she's not the person she makes herself out to be. Chosen by a mysterious individual long ago known as the Keeper of Stories, she watches over the parallel universe of time, making sure the events recorded remain true and unchangeable. She reveals to the pair that she is a garden of history, and between Tristan and Troy, they speculate that her timeless existence is owed to something of legend. How she obtains her age is a mystery and will reveal its secrets its secrets when another guardian is chosen. While all of this seems highly unlikely, the teenager's skepticism is put to the test when Miss Eden has the ability to send them back in time to fix and put right when events in history take a nasty turn, shaping the future forever. They travel to save medieval England, where a young man named Arthur Pendragon is destined to become king by drawing out the legendary sword in the stone, but standing in his way is the notorious sorceress Morgana Le Fay, the worst and most dangerous of all foes in English history. Those through sorcery, she has found a way that would hinder Arthur and wishes to draw the sword herself, making her queen instead, and crush all those who oppose her. If she succeeds in becoming queen, then the warnings Miss Eden expressed will unfold. Merlin, author's... Arthur's trusted friend and advisor, along with his supporters and closest friend Lancelot, as well as others, who would eventually make up the famed Knights of the Round Table, lend their aid and help guide them on the path to fulfill his destiny, all the while Morgana's forces stand in their way. During their quest, Tristan and Troy find mysterious arrows with particular symbols embedded in the arrowhead that would eventually lead them to the fabled castle of Camelot. Tristan had seen that symbol before, but cannot remember from where. Who does it belong to? Is it a trap? Or is it something or someone helping them make sure that England does not fall into the hands of the notorious sorceress? So, I, I like 
I like the the basically the extension of the summary here. As a prologue, though, it's not particularly a prologue um, because when you think of prologue, you think of the something that's kind of an extension of the story that can't be told in the story itself. Like I was, this this would be a good time to actually, I don't know, like set up what's going to happen later on. Like I would probably put, you know, a story behind where Arthur is being thwarted by Morgana Le Fay um, and actually tell it as a story. Maybe only make it about a thousand to three thousand words long. Um, basically showing how she is um, getting away with making sure that Arthur doesn't take the sword out of the stone. And then I would start the story off with Trist Tristan and Troy in high school together. Because this is more like a sum like a detailed summary of what I'm about to read. This isn't this is this isn't really a prologue. Um, so I would probably completely take this out and actually make um, a story about Arthur and Morgana Le Fay from the past and then start off with Tristan and Troy in the future, like basically set up the whole plot. You know, I wouldn't even mention Tristan and Troy in this because we already know they're going to come into it from the blurb that we read previously. So we kind of already know what the story is about. I don't really need a more detailed explanation of what the story is about as a prologue. Um, it's nice. I like I like to know that kind of stuff, but I would just completely take that out and completely change it. Um, that's just uh, my opinion on that. Now, was it well written? Yeah, I thought it was pretty well written. Um, it definitely held my attention. But let's go ahead and uh, jump into chapter one because I don't want to stay too long on the prologue there. All right, so chapter one. Um, these are actually named, by the way, the chapters. This chapter is called A Sacrifice for a Greater Cause? Question mark. <laughs> I guess I was supposed to read that as a question. But yeah, question. Monday morning. Gone is my weekend. Gone are the moments of being a radical teenager without a single day's worry of the outside world and now back to reality. Reality, you ask? Yes. Every teenager's nightmare. School. Now that all is said and done, I began our first term in grade 10 with one goal in mind, pass grade 12 and become a free girl. I still have no idea what I want to do after school, but as they say, one step at a time. So I'm going to, I want to pause right here. This is the first paragraph of the first chapter. So the way that I'm reading this is as if um, Tristan, I'm assuming this is Tristan, Tristan, the main character, is writing in her diary. This kind of is like typical what a teenage girl kind of sounds like when they're writing in their own diary. Because it's almost like they're telling themselves a story. And that's kind of what the vibe that I'm getting from reading this. Um, the only thing about writing like this is that if you somehow switch um, from that second narrative kind of point of view during the story to like just a normal first person it gets kind of tricky um I I'm not I'm not too big about um switching narratives and stuff like it doesn't really bother me especially if it's this kind and you're switching to like your first person but it does bother other people um but right now the way that I'm reading it is very entertaining to me so with that being said let's go ahead and move on I have to admit that the history class had gained more pupils due to the new history teacher, Miss Eden, who had joined our school farthing high. Last year, after one previous teacher, Miss 
Conwell. I don't know why I was trying to say Cornwell. <laughs> I'm trying to change these people's names. Miss Conwell retired. The irony was that Miss Eden seemed a lot older than Miss Conwell. Not your typical wrinkly stereotype old lady, but more eccentric and younger at heart sort of way. In fact, it was her age that seemed more of a mystery, for she seemed timeless. Her hair was platinum white with striking sea green eyes. She, hasn't, she wasn't hunched over, but rather held a regal posture. Her movements were graceful. Her students would hang on to her every word. She could literally bring history back to life. You could hear a pin drop in her classroom. That was how glued the students were. For me, the only thing that dropped was my head whenever I dozed off. Give the lady her due. She had spunk, but in a couple rows in front of me sat Troy. Troy, oh Troy, I fantasized. Wherefore art thou, Troy? Deny this class and refuse. Before I could get to the part where he kisses me in my dreamlike state, Miss Eden had the audacity to break my moment and was forced back to reality. Dude, this is totally a teen, like a like a 13, 14 year old's diary. I feel kind of like I'm I'm intruding on on her private thoughts. But let's continue. Huh? What? Excuse me? I asked you a question, Miss Eden smiled. Sorry, what was it again? That was when I noticed all eyes were on me, including Troy's. Now, normally I enjoyed being the center of attention, but when it came to fruitless questions, it was best to keep a low profile. I asked, which country was Adolf Hitler born? I had to rack my brain around that one. Eventually, it came to me. What kind of mother would give her son such a name? That would be my question. Austria, I announced. That's correct. Well done, Mrs. O'Doyle. I gave her half, her half a smile. If I had a name like that, I would most probably land up having serious anger management issues too. I wanted to return to my little dream world, but thanks to Miss Eden, the moment was gone. I landed up with nothing else to do but partially listen about a seriously warped psychotic man who loved his German shepherd named Blondie only to shoot her before he killed himself. I felt sick after hearing about Blondie. That was information I didn't need to know. Yikes. <laughs> so I can say about that. <laughs> after the bell rang, I packed up and got ready to go to home. After our tent, our, our grade 10 timetable showed that history was our last subject for the day. As I was about to leave the classroom, Miss Eden gave me an amusing smile, which kind of unsettled me. Her eyes didn't leave me until I was out of her classroom. Heading towards the bus stop, someone came and walked beside me. I didn't take much notice until the person said, Hi. I nearly had whiplash turning in his direction. It was Troy. I did the most amazing thing. I dropped my bag, and just for the kicks of it, all my textbooks felt spilt out. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Mm. I forgot to close my bag as I wanted to get out of that classroom as fast as possible. You would, too, if you had a bizarre teacher looking at you with those piercing eyes. Oh, Troy, um... What's up? Tucking a strand of my brown hair behind my ear I straight and straightening my jacket, I tried to act cool, but my mind was racing. Here, let me help you with that. Troy bent down and picked up my textbooks while I was busy fussing with my hair. After my bag was packed, we stood together for an awkward minute or, two or so, and I couldn't meet his eyes. I was sure I had been blushing, too. I was wondering, would you like to get a milkshake with me? My eyes met his. I then looked behind looked behind me to make sure he wasn't addressing someone else. You want to have a milkshake with me? I asked. 
Yeah, if, of course, you have other plans this afternoon, Troy said in a sheepish voice. Oh, uh, no, actually, I don't. Great. How does four o'clock sound? Perfect. Cool. We can go to that cafe that's in the corner of Anton Street. My heart dropped like an anchor into the sea. Shiver Milkshakes Cafe was the last place I would ever want to set foot in again. It was famous for its amazing milkshakes, frozen yogurts, and ice creams, but for me, it only served bad memories. But I couldn't let this opportunity go. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Troy could see my sudden change in mood. Would you rather want to go to the mall? I know women love malls. Nah, it's okay. I'll meet you there at four o'clock. Great, I gotta go. My bus is here. See you later. Bye. He raced off towards the bus stop. I let out a great sigh. Another sacrifice. First, choosing a subject that wasn't on my bucket list, and second, a cafe I thought I'd never set foot in again. The things we do for others. So I'm going to pause right here for a second because I think it's adorable that they're going to get milkshakes and also definitely not probably realistic. I don't know anybody who's 14 who asked to go get milkshakes. You know, you know, kudos to the author for not doing the cliche or the trope or whatever of asking for a study partner because that is what normally happens in books that I read when they're like teenagers in high school you know if they have a crush on somebody they immediately go up and be like hey will you you know come over and help me study for my history class or whatever and it always leads to something else so kudos for picking like something that's not usually in books like this Anyways, let's continue. While I was walking towards my bus, I felt a slight tremor. I didn't take much notice of it until it got to the point where I struggled to hold my ground. The noise became deafening. The clear blue sky above began to form with clouds so thick and dark that no one would believe it was a summer day. The roaring thunder made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Eventually, I dropped my bag and clung to the school's entrance gates as if my life depended on it. When it stopped... I let out a shaky breath and took in my surroundings. Everyone was carrying on as if nothing were out of the ordinary. No trees fell or cracks in the side in the walls surrounding the school. Why didn't anyone else feel it? Troy had gotten in onto his bus when the tremor started, and I saw he was holding onto its doors, his knuckles turning white. When the tremor subsided and the clouds dispersed, he too looked around for anyone else who might have noticed. Then we locked eyes. Somehow we knew that whatever it was, we were the only ones who experienced it. He shrugged and got onto the bus, the doors closing behind him. When I got home, I dropped my bag on the couch and announced, Dad, I'm home. I only do that because I know he's not home. He's always working late. and Now that he landed up with this million-dollar case, he's been more in court than I'm at school. And that's saying a lot. I went to my room to wash up and change. I tried to keep myself busy by doing homework just to kill time, but my heart wasn't in it. My mind was racing. Troy... Or Shiver Milkshakes Cafe. It has been three years since I was last there. It was also from that day onwards that my dad spent more time pouring himself into his work than at home and relaxing. When he did try and take it easy, his mind would return to the, that moment and the guilt and anger would flare up all over again. Eventually, I got ready and walked towards Anton Street. It was a popular street that had many shops and everyone knew everyone. I paused outside the cafe's doors. My palms were getting sweaty and I was feeling lightheaded. I can't do this. I decided to go home, but the door swung open and Troy came out. Hey, I thought I saw you. Why didn't you come inside? I kept a eat for us by the window. Um, 
I'm not familiar with uh, this phrase. I don't know if this is like a, um, a phrase from like what, what people say in different countries or whatever. I kept it eat for us by the window. Oh, now I know what it is now. I kept a seat for us by the window. Okay, because I was like, I'm not familiar with this phrase. Is this like something the cool kids say now? Because I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just missing an S. I kept a seat for us by the window. <laughs> Sorry, Kim, if you're listening to this. <laughs> All right, moving on. Sorry, my mind was somewhere else. I then took in a deep breath, forcing a smile. Let's go in, shall we? We sat by the window, and I was watching the activities outside. The cafe hadn't changed much since I was here last. The only thing that did change was my life. I didn't notice my mind had wandered off until Troy spoke. Um, Tristan, your frozen yogurt is turning into a milkshake. I looked down, and sure enough, the only way to finish it was through a straw. Sorry, I muttered. What's wrong? Troy asked. His voice was gentle. Since when does Tristan Tristan O'Doyle... Use the word sorry so many times in one day. There I go again. Try and change her last name O'Doyle to O'Donnell. All right. It's Tristan O'Doyle. <laughs> I managed to smile. I haven't been here in three years. Even though it's been that long, it still feels as if it happened only yesterday. Troy kept looking at me as if he wanted me to continue, but I could see he didn't want to push me. I decided to be fair with him since he did take me out and try and enjoy an afternoon with me. Look, whatever happened, it's okay. I'm sorry for bringing you here if it brings up any bad memories for whatever reason. Let's go somewhere else. You pick. I took a deep breath. It's fine, Troy, I'll tell you. Three years ago, my mom and I came here one evening. We'd always come here as it was our favorite place to hang out. Anyway, one afternoon, my mom and dad fought and she needed space for him. She decided to treat me to a milkshake and for her to get out of the house. Before we could order our usual, a fight broke out between two, na- two teenagers over a silly matter of the one's girlfriend caught kissing the other guy and my mom. Oh, oh. Kissing the other guy. Okay, <laughs> so the reason I read that is because it says kissing the other guy and my mom. Um, because it, there's like no punctuation there. So I kind of just read it straight on. So I'm like, kissing another guy and her mother. What? Um, but yeah, I'd probably, um, I'd probably just take that and out and just put a period after guy and then just continue on with my mom, who was still pumped with adrenaline after the fight with my dad, rushed towards the boys and tried to break up the fight. I would probably just put a period there just to make, just to make it flow a little better because it did look like one's girlfriend was caught kissing the other guy and my mom. So yeah, I just I would just break that sentence up. No one saw it coming. It happened so fast, but one of the guys pulled out a knife and during the struggle and confusion stabbed my mother. The guys were apprehended and I ran to her side. She looked at me and asked if I was okay. Typical of a mom, huh? <laughs> when she saw I wasn't hurt in any way, she dropped to the floor. I tried to hold her up, but I couldn't. She was pronounced dead by the time the ambulance came. Wow, that is some heavy stuff for a kid. Um, So she's in grade 10. So I'm assuming she's like 13, 14 years. Well, she might be 14 or 15. It gets, it depends on, you know, where you're at in the country. If you're in America, uh, grade 10, you're, you're like, I think 15 years old. So uh, some might even be 16. Uh, So yeah. So three years ago, that would mean this girl was like 11 or 12 or something or 12. Yeah, like 12. And she 
ends up witnessing the murder of her mother right in front of her. Yeah, I I can understand why she didn't want to talk to Troy about it and didn't want to set foot in that yogurt place again. It kind of makes sense. But man, that's a lot to tell a dude that I guess you haven't really spoken to in that sort of way. I don't know if they're like good friends before this or if she just has a crush on him. I'm not sure how their interactions were before this day. But let's read on. Troy sat there with his eyes closed and lowered his head. I'm so, so sorry, Tristan. If I had known, I wouldn't have asked you to come here. I'm only pausing right here because I had a thought pop into my head. Because this is something that beta readers, like if you have people reading your um, your stories, they're going to ask these questions. They're going to be like, okay, Troy and Tristan go to the same school. Like, apparently they know this cafe very well. And you're saying that you no one heard about her mother being stabbed in this cafe, like on the news or in school or anything, because that would be my first question. Because I, I'm from a small town, and I we we hear everything. People people gossip all the time. Okay, I live in the south. This is like little old lady southern gossiping, like all the time. So I I feel like this would be something that Tristan might have been aware, or not Tristan, but Troy might have been aware of, or at some point have known about. Like, it just seems kind of odd to me, but maybe this is a bigger town and, you know, maybe Troy's not into the gossip crowd. But that would be a question that you, that a beta reader might pose um, while reading this story. So just to, you know, keep a thought there. How could you have known? No one ever knows when these things happen. And besides, now look who's the one saying sorry. Troy gave half a smile, but I knew he was feeling bad for me. What did your dad do? He asked. He went on a rampage. To this day, he still wishes he could turn back the clock to that fateful day. He felt terrible about the fight and wished he could have been there. If he had, my mom wouldn't have run up to those guys. But your dad didn't know. No one could have predicted what would have happened. Yeah, well, it's in the past now and I have to move on. Troy gently took my hand. It felt warm and I could feel I was... And I could feel I was unable to breathe. You move on in your time. No one can tell you to move on until you're ready. And if anyone says otherwise, I'll get a hold of them and they will be the ones saying sorry. We both, we both burst out laughing. Laughing. <laughs> I ordered another frozen yogurt and this time around no straw was needed. So that's the end of um, uh, the chapter. It's short, sweet. To the point, um, just a couple of notes from my ends. If this is the way they kind of talk, I think they, I think the dialogue um, could use just a little bit of work um, because kids, kids don't really talk like this that day. You know, like this, they don't, they don't say things like he went on a rampage. <laughs> they say things like he went crazy or he. He, you know, was upset or something like it. This, these are just probably nitpicky things. Like I'm not trying to be super nitpicky, but I will say if this is written for like middle grade, um, middle grade kids, I know these kids are in high school, but technically this would be more of like a middle grade book. Um, you have to take into account how kids talk to each other. And I don't know exactly. I'm guessing that Tristan and Troy are in present day time, so 2021. 
And like I said about the whole milkshake thing, like kudos to you because that's, like I said, that's not usually what kids ask other kids to do, (laughs) especially in 10th grade. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. So keep that in there for sure. But I think I would switch up their dialogue and make them sound a little bit more like teenagers, I guess. Um, if you want to put in like descriptive words and stuff like that, I probably keep it, I probably keep it in like your dialogue to the minimum and just put it in, um, you know, the actual first person or narrative or whatever you got going on from Trist from Tristan, um, instead, just because it just sounds a little out of place, but other overall, I think it was, it was very interesting. Um, there weren't many grammatical errors in here. Some of the some of the sentences were a little long and could have been broken up or, you know, could have been rephrased to make it sound flow a little better. But other than that, like there wasn't too much um that I can say or critique about it. I actually really enjoyed it. I got into it pretty well. Well let's well since we're done reading that and it's short, sweet, simple, to the point, liked it. Let's go ahead and look at what other people have been saying about the book as well. So we've got three reviews here. We're just going to read them all. So let's read the first one. So the first one um, is by Lena Fox. She says teen fiction is the title. She said, I would definitely classify this book under teen fiction. Sounds almost like a short story for a school project. Overall, it is an easy read and light story that could be read in less than a day. Okay. Um, her overall rating was three, the plot was three, the writing style was five, and the grammar was five. All right, let's go up to um, M.B. Demore. Um, their title says, Very Interesting Start. I was drawn in by this story because I'm a historian, and I love, love, love historical fiction, especially when it's combined with fantasy. The story begins with two teens who are the perfect amount of awkward around one another and who are thrown into an adventure by their new professor, Miss Eden. When they go back in time, things don't exactly go as planned, and the two open up to one another for their own, for their untold adventures. I found this to be an incredibly easy read. It flowed very well, with no awkward time jumps or lengthy explanations. Kim does a great job keeping the reader engaged by keeping us updated with Tristan's inner monologue and the general mood of the scenes. I would say it's definitely aimed at a younger audience, as I could not quite relate to the characters anymore, which is, of course, only a product of time but I still found it very easy and enjoyable to read. It is exactly the type of story I would reread over and over as a teenager. Though it's a work in progress, I found that the plot moved quite quickly and I was not left wondering not uh, wondering too much what was going to happen. I love the element of myth and folklore you've incorporated into the story. I wish I could take an adventure like Tristan and Troy. So she, they gave an overall rating of 4, a plot of 4, writing style 4, and a grammar and punctuation of 5. And then the last one is from Gabriel Garcia. It says, The Magic Tree House for, for Young Adults. Yeah, pretty much. Let's see. It says, This was a fun re- uh, read so far. It reminded me so much of the Magic Tree House, the Magic School Bus. Look at that. Someone remembers the Magic School Bus. I'm so excited. Anyways, uh, the Magic School Bus books growing up when I was a kid. As a person who loves history, the concept of going back into the past and preventing things from altering times like a fantasy dream come true. I love every minute reading this piece, and I hope you get to continue it. And if you need suggestions or what errors you would like to write about for future stories with Trish, Troy and Tristan, 
just let me know. And they gave a five across the board. So awesome. Awesome. So as for my own uh, rating, um, I would say that overall, I'd probably give it a four. And let me explain why. So the plot, the plot, I would give a four. And the only reason I don't give it a complete five is because it does remind me a lot of the Magic School Bus. It does remind me a lot of a couple of other things I used to read, like Wishbone series. Like, I mean, he wasn't... He wasn't a teenager, but he was a he was a Jack Russell Terrier that went back in time and pl- and played out history and stuff like that. It reminds me of a lot of books that I used to read as a kid, so I feel like the nostalgia is definitely there, but it's not like it hasn't been done before. And King Arthur and stuff is a um, part of history or whatever, um, you know that a lot of people tend to use in their stories. So, but I mean, it's good to have something that's well known because if you had a a time in history that nobody knew about, then it wouldn't be interesting to read. So, I mean, you know, I can't really say too much about the actual, you know, Camelot and stuff, but you catch my drift on that. Um, So, but I do like how the plot is flowing currently. I feel like it is moving along at a faster pace. Even though I've only read the first chapter, I am invested to see um, what happens with Tristan and Troy. And I'm really curious about this Miss Eden character. So, kudos to that. The writing style. I love it. (laughs) I love the writing style. Um, Like I said in the beginning, it's like reading a teenager's diary. (laughs) It makes you... Um, it, I don't know. It's like sacred, you know? So you're reading, you're, you're reading something that somebody else is like writing for you, but it's from the character's point of view. It's, it's, I like it. So I would give the writing style probably a five and the grammar and punctuation, I'd probably give a 4.5. And the only reason I give a 4.5 is because, um, not just because of the, the misspelled word, but because there were some, um, instances where there are some passive, um, action going on, some passive stuff. Um, go back in. So one of the words that I tell people to look at, especially when they are doing their editing is go in and look at the word began. Uh, words like that usually end up being a a passive, um, kind of action that's taking place. Um, he began to do this or whatever, instead of being like, he did this, like, Stuff like that. That's one of the words that you want to go and check in your manuscript and make sure that you do not have an abundance of that type of word. Um, so if you just go up, go and look up like some words that usually end up being passive and just typing them to find on your manuscript, you can go back and really quickly change and rephrase some of those sentences to make it more active, more active voice. Um, so there's that. And then also a couple of the sentences, um, I think they were a little too long. They could be, you know, chopped up to make it flow better. Like the one sentence that we found where it looked like the guy was kissing both, you know, his, her mom and stuff. Like we know that's not what was happening, but the way it was written kind of, it, it didn't flow well. It flowed into a, a different sentence actually. And then there was another instance where there was a very long sentence and it did have a semicolon in it, but I felt like it should have just been a period, like, cause that sentence was already pretty long to begin with. 
So there, there was that too. So there's a couple of things that need to be reworked, rephrased. Um, Grammarly helps a lot uh, with that kind of stuff, you know, and telling you whether you're, you have too many words going on, like your sentence is wordy and that kind of thing. So if you have the premium version. So um, that's just my two cents. But I'm really interested to see where this goes. I really hope that Kim finishes it. Because it would be something that I would like to read and give like a, like an actual like longer maybe written review on the story itself. Um, I know she's work, she's got a couple of projects in the works right now. So <laughs> I'm going to give you some time, Kim. I'm only giving you a little bit to get this done. All right. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, overall, I thought that it was a really interesting read. And, I had, and, and the main thing is that I really enjoyed reading it. There are a lot of books that I review that it's a struggle to read because of grammatical mistakes and stuff, and this one was not. So thank you. Thank you for that, and that's very important for when you do decide to have beta readers because if you are riddled with grammatical mistakes, beta readers, it's just a waste of their time because they just can't keep going through and looking for your grammar and, you know, all those errors and stuff. It should be pretty much polished by the time you get to beta readers. So thank you um, for that. Um, But yeah, that was really awesome. Good job. And for those of you listening out there, if you are wanting to be featured on the podcast, especially if you're an Incan author or, you know, you're unpublished or, you know, you're just trying to get your books out there, you can go to my website at laureneason.com and um, on the podcast tab, go ahead and fill out the contact form and we'll be in touch. Um, I can, you know, I love doing these reviews on my podcast and and I love doing author interviews too. So um, just go ahead and do that and it'll send an email straight to me and yeah, we'll be in touch. So you guys stay safe out there. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you later. Bye. I hope you all enjoyed that last episode as much as I did while creating it. My podcast is full of author interviews, book reviews, and writing and publishing tips for new and seasoned authors. Check out my author website at laureneason.com for the latest podcast episodes, blog updates, and new book releases. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have questions, suggestions, or would like for me to review a story or do an interview for my podcast, just fill out the form on my author website. Reviews and promotions are always free for fellow writers. Don't forget to sit back, relax, and enjoy the many episodes to come every Friday.